0: hello my peeps and welcome to jay is for justice i am your host jay and welcome to my channel if you are new here please click that subscribe button so you get notifications for all of my videos and live streams and if you like what you see today please click that like button now let's get rolling It was a sunny Super Bowl Sunday, the 3rd of February 2008. And Larry Fenton, like a lot of other people, loved that day of the year. He would plan the entire day out. He would plan the entire day out, which mainly involved watching sports. That day he was going to watch That day it was Tiger Woods in particular. And then he planned to take a nap before ordering pizza at 6 p.m. and settling in to watch the Super Bowl at his home in Clearwater, Florida. What Larry didn't know was that he wasn't going to get a chance to watch the Super Bowl that Sunday because Larry was found dead in his home by his wife, Rebecca. Let's dive into the case of Rebecca and Larry Fenton, Clearwater, Florida. Larry and Rebecca Fenton were married for three years. They met at a gym, and after a quick three-month romance, they got engaged and married within a year. And after a whirlwind romance of three months, they got engaged and were married within a year. They seemed very happy and much in love with each other, and they kept to themselves. Rebecca had said that Larry didn't socialize much after they married. Rebecca's own life changed dramatically, too. She worked as a nursing assistant prior to marrying Larry and enjoyed being out and about traveling and going to different places. Not to mention an escort gig that Rebecca had years prior. Rebecca claims that Larry had no problem. He said, that's your past. And they moved forward and never spoke about it again. When she became Larry's wife, she gave up her job and became a stay-at-home wife. Larry was a millionaire. He made his money selling surgical equipment, and due to his financial status, Rebecca no lo- Rebecca no longer needed to work. On that day, on the 3rd of February, Rebecca said she went to the gym. It was a home gym in a separate building on their property. Rebecca claimed she was out there for about two hours. When she was in the gym, she heard what she sounded like, quote-unquote, something falling off the roof. But she said she continued to work out and heard little else as she had music on. When her workout was done, she made her way back to the main house. Immediately upon entering the house, Rebecca saw Larry on the ground. He was in the foyer at the foot of the stairs, laying in a pool of blood. Rebecca noticed that there had been some kind of disturbance in the house. Cabinet doors were open, drawers had been emptied, and there was stuff everywhere. Also, according to Rebecca, she took Larry's pulse. She thought that he was alive and she said that his eyes were open. Rebecca went upstairs and the same scene. Rebecca went upstairs to find the upstairs ransacked as well. All of their stuff had just been thrown across the floor. Rebecca went back downstairs and said she took Larry's pulse again. She then went outside and called 911. When the police arrived at their Clearwater home, they found Larry laying at the foot of the stairs. He was dead. He had been shot four times in the back, arm, and neck at point-blank range. The police initially thought it was a robbery. That's how the crime scene looked. Larry's Jeep was not in the driveway, but when they investigated further, they were wondering why nothing else of any value was gone. The money that Larry had in his wallet was still there. Rebecca told police that she was in her home gym when it happened and returned to the house sometime between 4.30 and 5 p.m. But Rebecca's account of taking Larry's pulse twice did not make sense. There was no blood on her whatsoever, and the blood around Larry's body was undisturbed. It looked as though he was in the same position that he fell in, and he had not moved. And he had not been moved. There were a number of other things that disturbed the police about Rebecca's actions and her demeanor. They were concerned about how long it took her to call 911. The fact that Rebecca looked around the house before making the call. And the lack of blood on her was troubling. But what really caused alarm for them was the fact that Rebecca was outside smiling and joking with the police outside her house. Was the fact that Rebecca was smiling and joking outside of her house with the police. But they had to put their gut feelings and suspicions aside apparently, because there was nothing at that point that suggested that she was involved that would require the police to make an arrest. There was no murder weapon there and there was no gun residue found on Rebecca. Police later did find the murder weapon just outside of the house. It was inside Rebecca's car, which was parked on the driveway. Under the passenger seat, they also found Larry's gun wrapped in a plastic bag. Larry's gun was kept in a drawer in the house prior to this. That gun was the one used to kill Larry. It had five spent casings and one empty chamber. The box of bullets in their bedroom was missing five bullets. They matched the bullets that killed Larry. They also found Larry's jewelry, a key to the gun case, and the keys to the jeep. No fingerprints whatsoever were found on the gun. Two days after Larry's murder, they found his Jeep Cherokee. It was a block away from the house, and they found Larry's laptop, which added to the suspicions that he was not murdered during a robbery. So if there was no robbery, why was Larry murdered? Did he have any enemies? The police asked Rebecca. Was there anybody who disliked Larry enough to want him dead? She said, no, there isn't. Police believed that even though it appeared highly likely Rebecca killed Larry, they did not have enough guarantee a conviction. All the evidence was circumstantial. Unidentified fingerprints and footprints were found at the scene and they wondered if there was a third party involved. Throughout the course of the investigation, police looked into so many leads and also into Larry and Rebecca's marriage. They seemingly had a perfect fairy tale marriage. But they quickly discovered that Rebecca's marriage was not as perfect as she liked to pretend it was. She was bored in her marriage and she developed feelings for a man named David. David worked as a chef at a local restaurant in Clearwater. And they had a secret meeting place in a hotel, but both denied being intimately involved. Although Rebecca did admit she found him attractive. Police also discovered that call girl gig. She claimed that Larry did know that she had been an escort before they married. Investigators thought the motive may have been money. Investigators thought that the motive may have been money. There was a life insurance policy that would give Rebecca a half a million dollars if Larry died. She would also get his estate. If they divorced, she wouldn't get much due to the prenup she signed. Despite all of the circumstantial evidence and the possible motive, police believed they still needed more. They needed a confession or a witness statement. Therefore, the case went cold. Until a couple years later, Larry and Rebecca's house burns to the ground. Arson investigators found evidence of fire accelerants. This brought Larry's murder back into the spotlight and they put a cold case unit on his murder case. And they put a cold case unit on his murder case. They finally got the witness statement that they had been waiting years for. A man named Alfred Nolan, who was dating Rebecca, provided that statement. He told police that when they were fighting, she held a knife to his throat and said, I'll kill you like I killed Larry. Of course, Rebecca denied all of this. She said that Alfred was trying to get a plea deal as she had reported him to police for domestic violence. Needless to say, six years after Leary's murder, Rebecca was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. The jury deliberated for only two hours and found Rebecca guilty of first-degree murder and she was sentenced to life in prison with no parole. What are your thoughts on this case? Please leave your comments below. Make sure they're kind. And thank you for listening. Hello, my peeps, and welcome to Jay is for Justice. My name is Jay, and I am your host. Welcome to my channel. If you are new here and you like what you see, please click the the subscribe button wrong 8 start over